Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Xbox tries to offer some live fool's gold. Things get more interesting with WandaVision. And here we go. It's some big trailer action for Godzilla vs. Kong. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford talking to you right from pop culture cosmos, game source, inside sports, fantasy football, and the Lakers fast break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here, the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own Josh Arino of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also, check out his awesome shows, Topic Ocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast. And of course, his book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you can get right now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm still laughing, man. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. Oh man, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, just good, man. I know you're pretty stoked about that Godzilla vs. King Kong trailer. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. What were your yeah, thoughts, well, man? It, it felt like they were. Here we go. Like Here a, we go. Yeah, I felt like a UFC fight trailer to me. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I mean, oh man, because but your thoughts, man. I just oh on the trailer itself. Oh, I mean. The story in those movies always seems to take a backseat to the actual film itself. Those movies are made purely for spectacle. They are absolute spectacle films. And I don't know if you noticed, but like Kyle Chandler's in the trailer and there was uh, Millie Bobby Brown. So all the characters from Godzilla King of Monsters are there. They didn't really give away a lot about the story, which leads me to believe that there isn't really a story. From what I was able to put together, it's like this whole thing like, oh, yes, there was a war. And... Kong was like one of the creatures that fought for dominance, right? And now Godzilla's back to reclaim his place as king of the world. It's like the return cage match in pro wrestling. Yes. Yeah. And I just like, I don't see this going anywhere. I'm trying to figure out like, is there going to be like a bigger threat that they can team up on? Is that because that's usually like what happens in those movies, but they didn't really like hint at anything bigger. I'm sure we'll see more trailers as we go, but 
I just don't see any resolution to that movie that's going to like make audiences feel good because one of their favorite monsters is going to apparently get demolished. It's just just so funny because if they want to continue the series even more, they got to keep them both alive. You know, even if tradition holds, they'll end up them teaming together against a whole plethora of beasts at some point in time in the next movie, if they want to continue the series. But this was hilarious, man. And I wasn't in a good way. It, it already has that weakness of, of just bad coming right through there. I just, I cannot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still laughing. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, they they set it up like it was a trailer for a UFC fight, which is, uh, you know, doesn't give someone like me very much faith in the movie. But yeah. also, like, I I feel like it, whether or not it's good or or bad, I, I feel like it's still going to people are still going to watch it. Like, it's going to get, it's going to pick up subscriptions on HBO Max. It's going to it's going to do what they want it to do. You know, like. Yeah, it might be critically like lauded, but it's still going to get those subscriptions going. It's going to bring more profit to Warner Brothers. You mean critically um, derided? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's going to it's going to do what it's supposed to do, whether people like enjoy it or not, because people are going to watch it. And here's why. You know, we're going to talk later in the show about all the movies being pushed back to 2022. This is new content, so what it may yeah, it might suck. It might be like the worst movie ever made. But a part of me inside, as much as I hate to say this, is kind of excited to watch it because well, there's nothing there's nothing new coming out, you know? Well, I mean, Netflix with their 200 million subscribers, which we just uh, talked about right. on the Friday show, they're coming out with a new movie every week. HBO Max is coming out with quite a few of these movies straight to HBO Max. And that's, to me, very interesting. But this movie was pushed up. In, in one of the few instances where, okay, this movie was originally delayed, but then it was moved up. Uh, I think it was like within the past two weeks, it's been moved up to that March release date from what I remember off the top of my head. I think it was moved up. And it's one of those cases where, hey, this movie looks like it's probably going to be one of those, like you said, it's probably wouldn't do so well at the box office because it probably wouldn't get any kind of real acclaim. It's going to be just that popcorn type film. And instead of going ahead and having it sent out to die at theaters later this year or next year, why not do the day and date thing and bring it up and make it one of the premier things you want to show off for HBO Max? Because HBO Max, you sit at home, you seem to have a bigger tolerance about what you want to see and what you want to watch because people will watch a lot of bad movies more often at home. Like for instance, all those action movies, those popcorn action movies on Netflix starring Ryan Reynolds, starring Chris Hemsworth to so many of them that came out in the past year and people were willing to watch it and watch it in spades because of the fact that they were at home and they didn't have much else to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you're, dating you know and like you go on a lot of dates and you're just like talking to anybody that will talk to you and that old saying like desperation is a stinky cologne i think the same thing goes for movies too like at this point people are just desperate to watch new content and they will consume anything and everything here we go here we go well i know no ian finds he's gonna stop on by to talk about <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong. Yes, he will be stopping on by to talk about that later in the show. 
And uh, I'm going to apologize to him ahead of time if I laugh throughout the whole thing, thinking, here we go, here we go. But, you know, what can I say? I mean, he had the whole hip-hop music right there for you, playing, blasting throughout the entire thing, making it like an action thriller. And the characters are trying to act all serious. It just is hilarious. And I told you about the part where Kong is, there's an explosion on the platform of the ship, and he's jumping off with his arms raised up. And it looked to me exactly like, Bruce Willis in Die Hard when he, the platform explodes and he's jumping off there. Ah! It's Kong's doing the same exact thing. It just, it looks funny. It looks funny. It'll be like Rampage. Yeah. More. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what are your thoughts out there on Kong versus Godzilla, King of the Monsters? We want to hear your thoughts. Do you think it's hilariously bad already like it is for me? Or do you think it might actually be something you're going to check out? I might check it out anyways, because again, it's something that's there. And if it catches me on a week where I'm not as busy, I might catch it. So, you know what? Go ahead. Let us know your thoughts on Godzilla versus Kong. We'd love to hear it. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, there's much more to talk about on today's show. Again, we have no Ian Fine from Hunnic Queen stopping by to talk Godzilla versus Kong. Here we go. Here we go. And before we talk about all the movie delays that happened recently after what was announced for No Time to Die. I want to hear your thoughts on WandaVision Episode 3 because now, now it finally gets more interesting. So, uh, okay, the shows that were mimicked in this one were... Brady Brady Bunch. Bunch And True True Color. There's a show with, like, color in the title. I don't remember. Oh, Partridge Family. Is that what that was? Yeah, that in the title sequence, it's mimic Partridge Family and the Brady Bunch. <laughs> okay. So, show picked up. Interesting things happened. Definitely more interesting than what happened in the previous two episodes. The whole pregnancy thing was a little off for me just because it was a lot going on with little explanation. It was just like they're taking advantage of like being in a sitcom just for the ability to just let things happen without any real like explanation. As I'm starting to see more and more of this, I'm I'm noticing that like this is not people controlling Wanda. This is Wanda controlling this, you know, what's going the the events because you keep seeing these parts where Vision is starting to wake up, you know, and then she rewinds it. And then you had the uh, I forget what the actress's name was that came in and uh, she's like the the neighbor. And then she kicks her out of the thing out of the uh, oh uh, for Mon- the character Monica Rambeau. Yeah, and then, that's she's going to be proton if it if it follows the comics. Yeah, so they kicked her out of the uh, the thing, and then she gets surrounded in the end by the helicopters and all that. So if you look at her necklace, like she's part of Sword, and I'm curious like how they're going to introduce Sword. There's a, de- a reference to Hydra in the commercial. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes, Hydra soap. <laughs> yeah, takes you away. So there's there's a lot more moving pieces. It kind of lost its like sitcom charm and kind of moved into the realm of the bizarre in this episode got a little darker much darker edge to it yeah so it's just it felt i don't know like to me it it kind of pulled me out a little bit you know because there's just there's too many things am i supposed to be laughing at this am i supposed to be like watching intently am i supposed to be checking things out in the background am i supposed to be thinking like i the show I guess maybe that's the charm of it for some people but to me i just i didn't really know what i was supposed to think about it as I was watching it. 
Well, for me, this was a little bit better step in the right direction because now I wanted, I, I've been wanting to see now what's the underlying theme, what is exactly going on with it. Again, I wasn't exactly the the biggest fan of them dropping you right in the middle of what's going on. I thought they would have been better explainer, especially for anyone new to the Marvel Cinematic Universe or is not as familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has Disney Plus that wants to check it out. Would have been nicer if they just go ahead and get you right from the beginning, like right after the funeral with Tony Stark, and you see how Scarlet Witch is grieving and Wanda Maximoff is how she's handling it and things of that nature. And then it leads you into this. Instead, it dropped you right in the middle from the get-go. And now it's it's kind of like pulling the curtain back and letting you know what's kind of know what's going on on a bigger scale. So I, I like that part of it. I was waiting for that. In fact, that's what I've been waiting for now for almost three episodes was that peek behind the curtain to see what was actually going on. And now that I've seen it, I'm kind of more interested now about the show going forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and I, I agree. Like there's, it feels, it's starting to like feel, and this is only the third episode, but it's starting to like feel more connected. And the, uh, again, the, the lady that got like thrown out of her, simulation or whatever it was like she in an interview she said that it's going to get a lot more intense from this point forward but yeah i don't know like it's there's still a lot of things that are unexplained and a lot of uh moving parts and this episode felt like it kind of like stepped on its own feet but uh i guess you know you kind of have to have that drastic shift so i'm wondering like what the tone of the episodes are going to be like moving forward but if you want to share your thoughts on WandaVision and how it's going so far, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same as, Jay, as Terminator. Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear. I had boobies. And ask you for money. Just give us the money. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. You've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie, reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Seriously, people really listen to this. Jock uh. and Nerd! Well, there's so much more to talk about on today's show, my friend. We've got a list. In fact, we were going to do a video game preview for the entire listing for the year, but I had to kind of say, let's go ahead and push that back or do a special episode on it, my friend, because there's so much to talk about on today's program. And I wanted to go ahead and hit you up on this. Speaking of video games, Resident Evil Village. Did you catch the extended, I guess, uh, trailer, but also closer look? It was a deeper dive look at Resident Evil Village. What kind of vibes are you getting? Because you're more of a horror game player than I am. But I'm kind of interested now in Resident Evil Village because it reminds me a lot of not necessarily previous Resident Evils, but a little more Bioshock. And its origin. Yeah. So, did you get a chance to play Resident Evil Seven Biohazard? Did you get a chance to check that one out? When we talked about it on an episode, 
I did about a, a couple hours of viewing on it just to go ahead and see how it was streaming and how well it was being perceived. Okay, so that Resident Evil totally changed tonally and totally and just cinematically changed the franchise. Because, you know, getting around the area of like Resident Evil 5 and 6, we were looking at more action games, right? We had the third yeah. person action games. Resident Evil 5, very linear. You know, you're walking along a straight path the whole game. And it was a mass effect, but it was kind of like telling you where to go, you know, instead of encouraging exploration. Resident Evil 6, kind of the same thing. It's kind of trying to break out of that. Resident Evil 7 was a truly terrifying game. It moved into areas where, like, you would never have suspected it would have gone. Like, there were parts in that game that truly just made me scream as, you know, a 32-year-old man. And goes back to the roots. You know that, like, suspense you felt while playing Resident Evil 2? Like, it just amplifies that times a thousand you have to really kind of like search around in this game a lot for connections to the original, you know, to um, the Umbrella Corporation, all that to the original Resident Evils. Moving on to Resident Evil 8, though, like this is a game that it looks really good. It looks like it's kind of once again bending genres, you know, it's going into that like Transylvanian mythology that it had before. It's moving into kind of back towards the franchise mythology. And, you know, we have Leon's in the game. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested in playing this. It, it looks like it's, it's a return to form. But, yeah, it is something that I am interested in. You know, I, I do love just the, the way the game looks. I love the kind of like dark imagery and the, how gothic it looks. What He's your... going after his daughter, correct? Because his daughter is trapped inside somewhere, I think, in that mansion, correct? Yeah, yeah. So what? Oh, and which one? Resident Evil 7? No, yeah, Resident Evil Village. Village. That's, I think that's the impetus of the game. That's why the protagonist is going to do what he's going to do is is he's he's there looking for his daughter. I think it was the, the what was around it. And then it's from a first person perspective, yeah, which is something yeah. different for the series. I know uh, something that has been at the time when it was announced, it was a little bit controversial because a lot of people had for so many years associated third person over the shoulder action for what was the Resident Evil series. And I know this was something that a, a lot of people wanted to go ahead and talk about. But for me, it looked really good. I love yeah. the tension, the detail that I've seen so far. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, Resident Evil 7 had that first person to it also, but it's more... More survival. I don't know. I feel like Resident Evil 2, especially the remake, really mixed the the like survival aspect with the cool gunplay aspect. I think that Resident Evil 8 is going to do the same, and I'm excited to kind of jump into that because they've they've experimented in the past, you know, a couple yeah. entries, and I think that that's a good thing. And I am really excited to play Resident Evil 8, but again, like bum that it's going to be a Sony timed exclusive, which really bothers me. But it is Resident Evil Village. I know I'm looking forward to it. it. Actually, I'm not huge into horror games, but this one looks a little bit more interesting for me and approachable. I I likened it a lot. I mean, for me, I got a lot of Bioshock vibes, as I was saying before. I mean, for me, it was less about Resident Evil and it was more about something creepy and mis more mysterious as opposed to being trying to scare you, which Resident Evil games really haven't done for me. They I mean, some of them have been slower paced than what I really would have liked, what I would have enjoyed, but this seems to be something that I might get into. I really like the world of Resident Evil. Again, like, it, I just, I felt like by the time 5 rolled around, it was just, you know, the whole raccoon 
city thing and the zombies is just beaten to death. But like looking at the the trailer and the gameplay for Resident Evil 8, and especially after what they did with 7, like it just it feels new again. You know, it feels like I'm ready to go back to that world. And I love the idea of it being more connected to the mythology that Resident Evil has laid out thus far. And Leon is doing some pretty shady things in this game. So like I'm I am curious from a story standpoint why he's doing that. What are your thoughts out there on Resident Evil Village? Is it something that might pique your interest as far as a video game that's coming out later this year? In fact, not too much longer now. I'll get you the uh, release date here coming up in a couple seconds, but I want to hear your thoughts on Resident Evil Village. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friends, speaking of release dates and movies, it's all over the place as far as the movies are concerned because... I don't think that the movie industry has enough faith right now in the audience, especially the fact that the, this weekend's box office winner was, again, The Marksman at only a robust $2 million. And I'm saying that very sarcastically, $2 million as far as for the U.S. market is concerned. And that won the box office. So right now, the, the movie theater box office, as far as the marketplace, is abysmal. So I think that's causing even more changes to happen. And it all started last week with No Time to Die, which we talked about on the Friday show. But man, did it get even more hot and heavy after that because there was about 10, I think, I want to say movies that were out there from different and various movie companies that were also moved as well. I know Quiet Place 2 got moved. Morbius got moved to January of next year. Uncharted got moved back. I know Tom Hanks film, I think it's a science fiction movie, Bios, moved from April to August. Sony delayed five of its films, like I was talking about, including Ghostbusters Afterlife, Peter Rabbit 2. Disney moved The Kingsman again. So that got pushed back even further. Bob's Burgers has been taken off its April 9th, 2021 release. Like I said, The Kingsman has been moved to August from its March date. Ron's Gone Wrong has been moved from April 23rd, 2021 to October of 2021. Man, this is a continuing and never-ending cycle. And it just shows you that right now there is no clear definitive recovery for the movie industry, at least from a box office standpoint, anywhere in sight. Yeah, I think they were all holding out hopes that the vaccines were going to be you know, widely distributed by the time the end of 2021 rolled around. But I mean, we're only a month into 2021. And they're not even really like waiting to see they They got an itchy, uh, I guess, what do you call an itchy trigger finger? Like they, they're not even waiting to see like what things look like in six months. They're just not willing to risk losing that money. And so they're automatically pushing them back to 2022, which makes me believe that they're probably going to get pushed back to 2023 because you know, there are vaccine shortages, you know, and uh, there's also these vaccine side effects. And it's just it's not going the way that everyone has been foreseeing it. And it also shows a stubbornness to kind of adapt. You know, I, that's why HBO Max, for example, Warner Brothers, like there might have been a lot of trouble. And, you know, there might be a lot of issues between them and some of the movie theaters. But still, like these movies are too expensive to be sitting on them for so long, you know, taking something like Bob's Burgers could easily be a Disney Plus or Hulu film release. And they're just they're not wanting to do anything with these. And I'm 
now it makes me believe that like we're probably never if they're not going to be able to push these out on a streaming service they have to be having that conversation and if not it could be four or five years before we see most of these films which is uh, sucks especially for uncharted because that movie has had you know it's been in production hell for what 10 years now longer and it's already finished now i mean uh, you know yeah. they already finished filming tom holland's already on spider-man 3 I mm-hmm. want to argue about this film, man, because you know how much I love the Uncharted series. Yeah. I've got Nathan Drake looking right over there at me, both mm-hmm. ones right here. And I'm just saying right now, I want to have that argument about again, because you know how much I didn't want Tom Holland to beat Nathan Drake. And I want to see if I, I want to be proven wrong. I want it to be really good and I want to be proven wrong. And I want egg all over, over my face. But the problem is we can't tell because it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So yeah. we don't know exactly when this is going to happen. But I will tell you this, my friend, it's just going to be something we're going to see continuously. And I think there's going to be even more movies. Like I said, A Quiet Place Part 2, that was days away from being released. Originally, when the coronavirus broke out, they were actually doing press tour, a press tour for it. John Krasinski, he was actually doing press for it already. At the time, it got delayed. So, you know, it's just a question now when these movies are going to get put out there and are they going to bite the bullet and just send it straight to streaming i mean we've seen with wonder woman 1984 we've seen with soul where they bypass theaters for, the, for essentially yes i know wonder woman 1984 has earned about a hundred maybe 150 million i off the top of my head as far as b- worldwide box office but comparative to the you know production costs it's not going to return, get a return in that way. The idea was essentially for that movie to be put out there at, on HBO Max. It's actually going to be coming off HBO Max. As this episode gets released, it's going to be off HBO Max for a while. It was only on for a month. But I do want to say that you know it was most likely a success for the, for the company. I mean, do you feel that the Wonder Woman 1984 strategy worked? I, it's gotten, I'm sure, a lot of new interests. It got a lot of talk on social media, so I know a lot of people saw it, but did it garner the kind of interest that you think for HBO Max that they want to go ahead and commit to this blockbuster movies all year long type scenario day and date on HBO Max? Yeah, I think it got enough interest. The big thing here, though, is that they it's going to keep it's going to keep the ship floating, you know, like they they. Unlike you know a lot of these other companies out there, their Warner Brothers is doing a smart thing by looking at long-term investments instead of what can I get for this movie on opening night. The box office numbers, yeah, they might be they they are important, but HBO Max is looking at this like, hey, we're gonna get subscriptions, and if we have Wonder Woman come out and then we wait and two months later put out another one, Godzilla vs. vs. King Kong. People are going to stay invested in HBO Max. They're not going to pull out of HBO Max because there's you know not enough content on there. So like they're looking at long-term investments instead of just like how much money can I pull in right away. And the movie might not have been good, but people are talking about it. People are talking about HBO Max. It's gotten publicity and it's got a sequel greenlit. So I mean, whether or not Wonder Woman like made bank, it is keeping interest in both hbo max and the dc universe in its entirety and that it is my friend so we'll definitely report on for you all the movies that are 
still being delayed. I mean, if you get a chance, check out Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. We constantly update you with all the various movies that are getting delayed and when they're getting delayed too. So if you keep up with us on social media, you'll stay in the know on when these movies are actually coming out. And if they're coming to box office, if they're coming to the actual streaming services day and date, you'll know the whole scenario if you check us out, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But before we head on to the break and no Ian Fine talking about Kong versus Godzilla, here we go, here we go. I wanted to go ahead and mention Resident Evil Village is coming out in May of this year, at least it's scheduled to. And you always got to go ahead and put a grain of salt on that as far as that's concerned. So it is scheduled out in May. It looks really good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game. And I know a lot of other people are as well. But Josh and I will be coming down the road with an extensive look and preview at what is scheduled for video games this year. I know he had some thoughts. In fact, before we head to the break, my friend, instead of doing an extended preview now, because we don't have enough time on today's show, I did want to go ahead and ask you, you had some thoughts off camera about the doing the preview when you originally asked me to go ahead and, and let's go ahead and throw that as an idea out there for the show. You had some thoughts about the number of titles that are coming out this year. Uh, you didn't think it was as many or you thought there was a lot of stuff going on with it. And you had some really good thoughts on it. I wanted to go ahead and give you the chance to air that out. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we thought that 2020 was going to be a dry year for games and like they had some big releases, but the games that did come out, it took so long to play that you didn't really notice a lot of the other droughts looking into 2021 where now like we're truly experiencing like because last year all the development kind of slowed or they stopped and i'm looking at the games coming out in 2021 yeah there's some big ones uh halo infinite allegedly god new god wars coming out but i think that 2021 is when we're really going to be experiencing like the slow game releases because now all these studios that were working on these big projects like they're not firing at full force so we're going to see games slowly start to come out and it, it's almost a guarantee that a lot of these games are supposed to be coming out are going to get delayed. So, I mean, I think that 2021 could, and as we go into the stuff that is supposed to come out that have been given dates, you know, we'll chat about some of the big titles and what they mean, but I feel like a lot of it's going to get delayed. So I, I think that 2021 is going to truly be a worse year for gaming than people thought 2020 was going to be just because now we're feeling the full effects of COVID, right? We don't have that half a year that people got to work on some of these games a little more. Now, you know, we're coming off almost an entire year of being shut down and we're going to start to see the effects of that in the gaming industry. It's actually gotten off to a pretty good start, my friend, because Hitman 3 has come out to great acclaim. It is going to be a game of the year contender. So please, if you're out there, do not sleep on Hitman 3. Everspace 2, that just got into early access. It's available now for purchase. If you want to get into the game and get about 12 to 15 to even 20 hours of insight into the game, that looks pretty good. I've had some experience already with that game, Everspace 2. So there is some hope out there. Resident Evil Village looks really good. So there is hope out there for some games. Of course, Mass Effect Trilogy, the Legendary Edition, that is coming out later this year in March. It's scheduled to anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. But it is something that we need to go ahead and just be aware of that they may not be as many plentiful releases in regards to the video game industry. So we will do an extended video game preview of what is scheduled to come out in 2021. 
look for it either here at the Pop Culture Cosmos or Josh and I may have to do just a PCC Extra on it, but we will drop one here in the next few weeks. But coming up next, we've got Noe and Fine from Hunnic Queen and the Hunnic Outcast. He's going to stop by talking about, <laughs> here we go, here we go, Godzilla versus Kong. That's coming up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. And <laughs> here we go. Here we go. It is the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer that just came out. I hope you got a chance to see it. I know I went ahead and posted on the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. So if you get a chance, you can go ahead right there and check it out. But it looks like it's an action thriller. But it is something that's going on to extend the Godzilla versus Kong universe. And here today to talk about the trailer and his excitement, possibly, for the movie. I mean, you already heard my thoughts on it. But here is no Ian Fine from Hunnic Queen and Hunnic Outcast back once again. And my friend, it's good to have you back, but come on. Here we go. Here we go. Godzilla versus Kong. It is coming out in March. In fact, it's coming out in the not-too-distant future. It's going to be day and date with HBO Max and also as well available at box office, at movie theaters, whatever select movie theaters will be open. So if you can quickly tell me your thoughts on the Godzilla versus Kong trailer, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts on that. I don't think we've gotten a great Americanized Godzilla movie. We didn't get it with that 1998 Schlockfest. We didn't get it with 2014. We didn't really get it with King of the Monsters. Other than the fact that we're not going to see two guys in suits, and I, I guess now it's going to be CGI instead of model sets being destroyed, why are they fighting this time? It makes zero sense because Kong wasn't part of King of the Monsters on that battle. And furthermore, which characters are supposed to be part of this universe? I have no idea anymore. I don't know if Millie Bowie Brown is supposed to be part of it. I, I don't know who's part of what they're trying to do. Bottom line is this. They just don't know how to Americanize other than we're just going to get these hyped up CGI fights. Uh, we have classic Chris singing a rap song i don't know what universe is supposed to be part of they're trying to make a universe which characters belong where is brie larson part of this is she not is tom hiddleston from kong skull island is that part of this universe i have no clue and i don't even know what happened to john c Riley or the islanders because they actually out of all the islanders these are the most interesting islanders they've ever seen but we're not getting any of that and i also thought with kong skull island where we have the Japanese and the American fighting, I thought that was going to be where Kong and almost Batman v Superman, where these two are going to fight, but something's going to bring them together. But, you know, with King Ghidra dead from King of the Monsters, I have zero clue. And there, there are speculations now that Godzilla may be the villain in this piece. Is this following any continuity? I have no idea anymore. Well, this is Godzilla versus Kong, my friend. It is coming to HBO Max and theaters day and date in March. Uh, I think that this is going to be something of a spectacle. 
Whether or not it's a spectacle of horrific proportions, we'll wait and see. But I have a feeling your questions are answered. It looks like already that it's not going to be set up for success. Yeah, this is going to, I can see why this went to HBO Max. It definitely shows. It definitely shows indeed. But <laughs> here we go. Here we go. As I was saying earlier, it looks like an action flick. And I'm telling you, Kong is so funny. It looks like the CGI version of John McClane in Die Hard, just like jumping off the boat and all that. It just, mm, it just yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's going to be funny. Now we, we're going to have a good laugh over it. Let's have a good laugh when we actually finish watching. In fact, I'm now committed to watching this movie. You know, I'm going to go ahead and check it out because it looks so hilarious and I cannot wait for it. So, yeah, it's like an accident, a car accident. You just can't but help looking at it. It's just going to be so funny. But it is Godzilla versus Kong. In fact, I don't even think the name flows is right. It should have been Kong versus Godzilla. That's just my thought. I thought that should have come first. Well, I guess it's going by alphabetical order, but or, or who was really first? I mean, technically, Godzilla came second because King Kong came out in the 30s and Godzilla came out 20 years later. But I guess one has nothing to do with the other. You know, I guess you have to talk to their agent. Yeah, exactly. And then I'll tell you what, it's got to lead into something I was talking about with Josh as far as them getting together to battle other monsters, because I don't think either one is going to kill off the other one. I just don't think they're going to destroy both franchises or even one franchise in that point in this next movie. Left, though, I mean, maybe Ghidra, his head was discovered, but, you know, in, in, in King of the Monsters, half the globe was destroyed from these kaiju or, or guardians or whatever you want to call them at this point, so... They keep changing the plot from 14, the King of the Monsters, to this. So I, I don't know what one is doing with the other, or, or even Skull Island. So I have no clue. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't have a clue either, but it's going to be enjoyable mess. But it looks like it's going to be a mess nonetheless. And that is Godzilla versus Kong, which is coming up in the not-too-distant future. And that is coming out on HBO Max and also same day to the theaters so we'll see what happens when the godzilla versus kong movie comes out so we will be back to hear more thoughts in the coming months as godzilla versus kong it's coming out in march 2021 so i'm looking forward to hearing noah's continued thoughts on godzilla versus kong and also hearing your thoughts as well if you have any thoughts out there on godzilla versus kong after this here we go here we go trailer here we go let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Thanks so much, Noah. We truly appreciate you being part of the show and always being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Before Josh and I close out the show, the WWE Royal Rumble is on the horizon. And I recently had a chance to interview John Orlando of the PVD cast to talk about what the state of the WWE is heading into the Rumble and WrestleMania season itself. Here's a quick snippet of that conversation, which you can hear in full on Wednesday on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll tell you what, my friend, though, it is coming into the Royal Rumble. I mean, it's something I still try to get excited about each and every year. I'm trying. I'm trying hard. I am one of those over 50. And I don't want to put myself in the old school range, but there are some things about yesteryear that, again, lessons can apply but I do love quite a bit of today's wrestling that's still out there. 
mm -hmm. in fact, I do follow it again on a daily basis. It's something I still love and is still so near and dear my heart. But when you look at what's going on with the Royal Rumble and the picture's not entirely set, I mean, the future, again, for your WrestleMania, I, I, I know that the rumors are right now and all these sites are reporting that there's still no set outcome for what they want to go ahead and do for the top matches at WrestleMania. I find that a problem, don't you? Yes, exactly that, because I have my notes right here. I thought to myself when I was getting prepared, who do you pick if Gerald says, John, pick a winner of the Royal Rumble? You don't know? I, oh, I, 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 don't know. I can't tell you. I mean, I can't. I, tell I can't because there's no clear vision. And in, in, at least in years past, you had, well, here's four or five that I can see doing it, you know, winning the Royal Rumble. You know, this person could do it or this person for these various reasons. I'm stumped. The only person, if, if you put me on the spot and said, pick a men's Royal Rumble winner, Seamus? Because at least you had that storyline with him and Drew McIntyre. Hey, we came up together, blah, blah, blah. But is that going to put people in the stands? No, Seamus has done so many jobs. I know Cesaro's getting a small push finally after so many years, but will people be behind it? That's another issue as well. I mean, everybody there that you see has had so many losing streaks, and it's so hard to get behind any of them because when you lose consistently or you do this 50-50 booking or anything of that nature, it's really hard to get behind anyone. So don't you forget, all you wrestling fans out there, about my full conversation with John Orlando from the PVD cast as we talk about the state of the WWE dropping this Wednesday on all podcast outlets right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much, Noe and Fine. Also want to give a shout out to Lucas Alves and also Noe and Fine for their hearts and their thumbs up on today's program on our live stream. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to hit you up on three more things. First thing I think we'll talk about is back to video games, and it is the debacle known as Xbox Live. And I'll tell you what, my friend, Xbox, you had a great thing going. The biggest launch ever for an Xbox system happened in recent weeks with the Xbox Series S and X, riding an all-time high, doing everything right. Then all of a sudden, they dropped almost very secretively they dropped a price change or an intended price change, which would, if you're a new subscriber, would have essentially doubled the current price that it had. And my gosh, they got a lot of backlash. So by the end of the day, and this was like a, actually it was on Friday morning, I think they did this. And by the end of the day, my friend, they reversed everything that they said. So there, as of now, there isn't going to be a huge price hike. And in fact, they gave, free multiplayer access to some of the most popular games, including Fortnite. So I want to hear your thoughts. This was really a blown misstep by Xbox. 
It was, but they backtracked on it. They heard the fan feedback and they reversed their decision. You know, that I don't mean to, to toot the uh, I hate Sony horn here, but like I, I, that's just something that I don't think PlayStation would have done. I agree with you. I think PlayStation yeah. would have held its hits, its serve on that. I think, yeah. I think so. Right. And like, like I, yes, it was a dumb idea. Like, I don't well, I know I, Nintendo would have. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they were like, you know, looking at business models as not being great or whatever that entailed. But yeah, it was just interesting to that news kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know, man. I don't know. This It was weird. It was weird. It was not what I was expecting to happen. I still don't quite know what I think about it. But again, like I do applaud them on backtracking and, you know, issuing the, the statement basically saying that, yeah, hey, we messed up and here's what we're going to do. Like this shows a lot of good faith towards the fans and the community. I don't know what what are your what are your thoughts though from a from a numbers perspective. Well, as someone who wants to go ahead, I'm just waiting to get an Xbox Series X and X, and I will be renewing not only my Xbox Live Gold, but I'm also going to be gearing up for Xbox Games Pass. I'm just waiting to get an Xbox Series S and X. That or S, I actually Xbox Series X. That's what I'm waiting to get, and. When the time is right, I, I mean, because right now it's still unavailable to most of the uh, audiences that are out there. So when I want to go ahead and get it, I don't want to have to pay double the fees. I understand that they want to gear everybody more towards the subscriptions for Xbox Games Pass, because I understand that that's where they want it to see the actual industry going is towards those subscriptions. I get that. But an incremental price hike for Xbox Live Gold, because they haven't had a price hike for Xbox Live Gold in years. Maybe an incremental price hike would have not gone over so badly. In fact, I think that would have been understandable because it hasn't been changed in so many years. But to double the price of Xbox Live Gold was a bad look, a really, really bad look for Xbox. I thought that was cold-hearted. I thought that was something, like you said, Sony or Nintendo would have stuck on you and you would have just had had to deal with it no matter how much backlash they have because their record would have dictated that, you know what, we're just put it out there and you have to deal with it. But with Xbox Live, I do give them credit for backtracking on it. I do give them credit for saying, you know what, we made a mistake. But again, in the world we live in right now, it's you, you got to read the room, my friend. You just got to read the room and understand you cannot have that huge of a price hike in the middle of a pandemic. When you have unemployment out there that's skyrocketing, you just can't do it, man. It's such a bad look. A couple dollars here or there, or maybe a dollar here or there, fine. But you cannot have a double of the price rate like that. That's just awful. I guess looking at the bigger picture here, I, it's making me wonder that, like, why, again, like you said, like, why double it? That seemed like a bad move. But also, what's the reasoning behind it? You know, is it because the uh, the Games Pass model is not as profitable as they thought it was? Or is it because they need the money to buy new studios? Because you heard about those rumors going around that they're going to buy up Sega. So there's rumors are going around that they're going to buy up Sega. Was that it? Yeah, they're going to, there are rumors going around they're going to buy up Sega and that comes with Atlas and some other companies. But also there's some other like studios that they haven't announced that they're going to be buying and also the Bethesda sales closing. So are they, are they in need of money? Is that why this, this thing happened? Like I'm just, the reasoning behind it really fascinates me and I'm really curious about it. The Xbox Games Pass Ultimate, that to me, which includes both the Xbox Games Pass and Gold, that's going to be a good value. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in getting that when I get an Xbox Series X. So I do want to go ahead and and get into that. But 
for me, it was such a, a sad, you know, it's such a saddening thing because again, I would be a, considered a new customer or returning customer. I mean, this was not for anybody that's a, a current customer. They would have gotten it and grandfathered in on the old rates. This rate hike was only for people that was going to go ahead and get it new or resubscribe like me, which was a deterrent from doing so. And, and I know it's not going to be a big deal coming six months or a year down. It's just going to be a little blemish on the block. I think everybody will get over it eventually, especially if E3, they announce a whole ton of great things, which I think they will do because they now are, are pretty amped to go ahead and do so because of the fallout from what happened. But it isn't going to have the long-lasting effects of the, you know, when they around the time that they announced the Xbox One and the proprietary hardware, or they weren't going to put a disc drive, they weren't going to put a DVD deck into it, or it was always going to have to be online, or the comments that were made by Don Matrick and all that, you know, all that is going to be, I think, comparatively speaking, this is a little bit minor. And again, if they have a great E3, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, somewhat forgotten about it. Still, there'll be a little bit of a sore spot, but again, they made it right, and that's what counts. Yeah, I mean, and that really shows a dedication to the fan base that, again, you don't see with Nintendo or Sony, right? Everyone's been wondering when this next Direct's going to happen. We've been waiting, like, what does 2021 look like for Nintendo? And they have made zero announcements, and we're already moving into February. So, you know, I think Xbox is doing, or Microsoft's doing great with their transparency. Again, things can shift in an instant, as we saw with these like pre- potential price hikes. And again, I'm curious about the the reasoning behind it, but I am happy that they backtracked on that because, and and I'm hopeful that people will kind of see that as maybe seeing Microsoft as something worth investing in. Right now, it still is for me, but I hope they won't do that again. I mean, they could raise the price a couple dollars or a dollar. That's understandable because Xbox Live Gold price hasn't changed in years. I get that. That's okay. But when you essentially double it, that's a move that was bad. So I'm glad they went ahead and changed it back to what it was, provided some little bit of sprinkles of good favor to gamers out there to try and say, hey, you know what? We blew it, made a mistake. But I'm, I'm glad that they saw the error of their ways and that Xbox Live Gold can still be an attractive buy once again. What are your thoughts on the Xbox Live fiasco? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, there's still just a couple things left before we head on out. NBC Sports Network was a major talk and a major conversation, actually much more so than its entire existence. And even with the NHL, the Premier League, NASCAR, IndyCar, and all the other things that have been on that outlet, they've never been able to garner a large audience. And NBC Universal announced that it is closing and shuttering the doors of NBC Sports Network at the end of 2021. So I want to hear your thoughts. This isn't surprising to me because they're going to filter out the sports properties that they have onto outlets such as USA Network, which is more popular and one of the most popular cable stations in the United States. And then also as well, they're going to put some of it on Peacock, which as a new and fledgling streaming outlet, they want to go ahead and put as much content to there as they can. In fact, I'm assuming they're going to put some Olympics coverage in there as well. I want to hear your thoughts with the advent of streaming if some of these other major companies that are out there, i.e. Disney, i.e. like again, NBC Universal, i.e. HBO Max with AT&T and all they own with as far as from TNT on down. I want to hear your thoughts as far as if there are any other networks that you think 
should be on the chopping block because I, you know, if Jessica Box was here from the TVRainsGuide.com, we'd be going over a list. I know there's a couple off the top of my head, but are there any networks you see going by the wayside, similar to what we see with NBC Sports Network? Okay, so I mean, for a while, I thought ESPN was going to do it, but they kind of got lucky this year with like how muddled the streaming rights are for like the NFL, the UFC, the NHL. Like, you know, I've been trying to watch hockey as someone who doesn't have cable and I was able to jump on ESPN plus and, you know, basically live stream hockey, which has been really, really great for me. Go so, Knights go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so I've, I mean, the other night I got to watch the Edmonton Oilers game, and that was that was nice. And they showed some clips from the Kings and stuff. So, you know, I've I've enjoyed that. So I would have said ESPN, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I don't actually watch enough network TV to really be able to weigh in on this. We're looking at like streaming platforms. I could say like, well, Quibi's already done the deal. They've already Quibi. they've already died. And actually, Roku bought up all the rights to their programming. Yeah, but something that. like Freeform which has been a joke of mine. And I've gone over this with Jessica Boggs time and time again, how much of a joke I think Freeform is. I think they should be destined for the chopping block or another station like the CW, which has okay. a ton of stuff you could transfer over to HBO Max. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's weird because the only thing that keeps CW afloat is, you know, everyone's like, oh, I watch Riverdale every night, but you ask them like, what do you like about Riverdale? And they say nothing. It's just like watching a train wreck. So people don't actually like it. What keeps that channel afloat is the superhero properties. They have like, you know, you watch the flash legends of tomorrow. Arrow was one that kept them afloat. Batwoman seems to be like struggling like crazy to, to just stay on the air. So yeah, I mean, I would see CW going by the wayside it's been weird seeing like Discovery Channel consolidate all their their owned properties, right? And it was like Discovery Plus, you know. Yeah, you know, they've got they just debuted like, that. Yeah, so it's just it's been weird, and it makes me wonder with like such a massive streaming package happening. It makes me wonder if some of those networks that they are funding are going to start biting the dust here soon too, and maybe sticking to a streaming platform. When you talk about, and I talk about this almost on a monthly basis with Jessica Boggs, when you talk about the CW and you see the ratings as 0 0.1, 0 0.2, I mean, these numbers are really, really bad. When you talk about 0 0.1, 0 0.2, when you can't even garner enough audience to be in the top 70 shows yeah. that are out there, I mean... To give an example, the CW series premiere of the Walker Texas Ranger reboot got more viewers than any show for the network in almost three years, 2.43 million to be exact, and it only did a 0 0.4. And the fact that a lot of these shows could be moved over to the HBO Max platform and would be a great breath of fresh air for those platforms. Yeah, and that's the thing that kind of doesn't make sense. Like Warner Brothers is trying to make big money moves and they're trying to consolidate it would make sense that the CW shows move over there, especially considering like how dark some of the stuff wants to be, but can't quite be because it's on cable. That would be a good move, especially getting more of those HBO Max subscribers. And, you know, it'd be nice to see a return of some of the other properties we've seen over the years that have been hit to the wayside, like Constantine. But yeah, CW is one that doesn't really make sense for it sticking around. NBC Sports, so I can kind of see because they didn't really like have 
you know, they had some big like winter classic games and they had some of the Olympic stuff when it was on. But other than that, like they have a lot of obscure sports, you know, and those things you can throw on Peacock. You can throw on Peacock. Yeah. You know, it's just the the sports streaming rights. You used to be able to go to like ESPN or there's like one other station to watch all this stuff. But now like looking at hockey, like you have in order to watch every game throughout the season, you have to have five or six different streaming apps to do it. It's it's well, absolutely insane. Well, this for NHL, this is going to be a big bonus because they're going to probably be moved up most of their stuff to USA Network, which is a higher, more visible platform. Same yeah. thing with NASCAR, most likely, and same thing with the Premier League. I mean, but it, the residuals will probably be sent out to Peacock. For me as well, with Disney, they need to talk again. I've always talked about how they need to consolidate the streaming outlets into one thing, and that would just be better than even what netflix can offer but i know they're not going to do that here in the states yet their star network and what they offer around the world for those countries that have it they're getting a good deal but when it comes to what you're seeing with disney i mean they need to really take stock in what they have do they need to keep fxx do they need to keep something like freeform do they need to keep these outlets i mean really they don't do them really any much good anymore and any of their original programming that's anywhere near popular they can just throw them on abc how about that or they can throw them on disney plus or hulu they've got those outlets for it why not just put them there and just put those smaller outlets out of their misery yeah yeah and if you guys are watching the live stream if gerald can share my screen pop up for a minute they have announced that NBC Sports Network stuff will go to Peacock. So, I mean, those those rumors are all but confirmed through the New York Times, which is, you know, like you said, it's it's interesting. You know, this will really bolster interest in Peacock because outside the office, like there wasn't really anything I was wanting to watch on there. But now it's just it's going to be so expensive to, like, be a sports fan because you're going to have to subscribe to, like, 10 different streaming outlets to really watch anything. Football, UFC, hockey, NASCAR. It's crazy. Absolutely, it is. But we want to hear your thoughts on what networks you think will be next on the chopping block after NBC Sports Network, because that is going away by the end of the year. We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for being here. My compadre in crime for 230 episodes now of the Pop Culture Cosmos. But before we head on out, my friend, Peaky Blinders, which is something you mentioned way back when that you said you were once a viewer of, that got the axe itself and that it will be ending with season six. I think that's, I think they're in season five right now, but they'll be ending with season six. I mean, with Snowpiercer, that just got the green light for another season into season three. But I want to hear your thoughts with Peaky Blinders ending with season six. I honestly, I think it's a good place for that show to go out. I'm a couple seasons behind right now. But, you know, it, it is a show that it's a period piece, right? So it can't it can't run on forever and ever like it needs to come to a, a stop. And I don't know about you, but I think like five or six seasons should be the max that any show should go. You don't need you know, I'm, that's what made Supernatural so powerful at first was the fact that like Eric Kripke said it's going to go five seasons because I don't believe going beyond that. And then they went to like 18 or 19 or whatever. But it makes it feel like there's more on the line, like you're getting a complete story. As a writer, if you, it takes you longer than than five or six seasons to tell a story, then you're not telling the story that you want to tell. You're telling a story just to get people to watch it. So, I'm I'm actually kind of happy that it's coming to an to an end. That way, you don't see it like become, 
muddled down and not interesting anymore because it's a really great show and if you guys haven't had a chance to watch it definitely check it out you won't regret it don't watch it with your kids but just watch it it's a really well done show if you get a chance please check out piggy blinders and also i know snowpiercer now i know it's been kind of back and forth with people as far as from the original movie what it was like and how beloved that is with chris evans but Snowpiercer has gotten a lot of good returns and ahead of its season two that's coming out on the 25th this week on TNT. You got to be respecting the fact that it got a renewal for season three. So a lot of people seem to be liking Snowpiercer. It seems to have gotten a lot of interest. It seems to be a good marquee headline series for TNT. But yes, the way that the TV streaming and TV wars are happening and all the different programming that's out there you want to keep an eye on what's going on in the world of tv movies streaming and so much more check in on us every week on our social media at pop culture cosmos so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great Fans of podcast, I am Rusted Robot. Rusted Robot is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Episodes in the hundreds with pop culture reviews and geek style news. I am Rusted Robot Podcast. You have come here for geek. Will you listen? Listen for free. No, we will run and we will live. Aye, run and you'll live and dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all those days and come back here for just one more listen? They may take our lives, but they'll never take a Rusted Robot Podcast. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.